So this uh, Charlie Brown Christmas came out in 1965. Uh, it was kind of at the height of the popularity of the Peanuts uh, comic strips and so forth. And, uh, and, and I've often thought that part of the reason that uh, that is so popular, it's, it's actually one of the all-time most popular Christmas uh, specials that airs every year, uh, is that we all identify with Charlie Brown at some level, don't we? I mean, we've all had those days when Lucy has pulled the football out away from us one too many times and we've fallen flat on our back, right? We know what those days feel like. Uh, we've all had days when we've been called blockhead. We all have days when Snoopy steals things from us and we are unable to recover them. Uh, we know what that's like. We understand uh, that, that time in Charlie Brown's life when he feels inadequate. Uh, he feels like he can't get things done. He feels unworthy or unloved. We all have had those moments. Uh, and there's kind of a, a longing that he brings to this as we walk through, the, walk through this special where uh, he's longing to know. He's longing to know that he's of value and he's loved. And, and I think all of us at some level identify with that. And that kind of longing really uh, is nothing new. Uh, God's people have always had some longing for God to be in the midst of the world and to be active in the midst of the world. It gets expressed in different ways. Uh, one of them is an old, old hymn. Uh, and this one's uh, really, the, the tune's about 500 years old. The hymn's about 300 years old. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here and drive away the shades of night and pierce the clouds and bring us light rejoice rejoice Emmanuel shall come to thee O Israel, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. There's a, a longing that lies within all of us to know that in some place that um, God is going to uh, do what we have always longed for, what we've always hoped for, what we've always dreamed. And you see that longing reflected in Scripture, especially those passages uh, that God sent to His people in the time of the exile 
when they felt cut off from God and they felt abandoned of God. And so through his prophets, he sent words to them through Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah, words that are familiar that we read this time of year. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And then even more specific promises. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. And these promises that God sends to his people, that he has not forgotten them, that he has not abandoned them, uh, that he has not left them alone, that he has not forgotten their hopes and their dreams. And so uh, you come to this point in, in the Charlie Brown special where, where he's beginning to despair that he can do anything right and that he can ever understand about it. And, and his friend Linus steps up and begins to share with us the angelic announcement of the birth of Christ. And, and as he does that, he says those words, uh, fear not in some scriptures, uh, be not afraid in others, do not be afraid in other scriptures. He shares those words that appear some 99 times throughout scripture uh, when God is speaking to his people. Uh, just you know, for an example here in this passage, uh, the angel says, don't be afraid for see, I'm bringing you good news of a great joy for all people. When the angel comes to greet Mary, he says, do not be afraid for you have found favor with God. Jesus, when he is raised up from the grave, speaks to the disciples and says, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see them. That phrase echoes over and over. And if you've not noticed it before when you're watching a Charlie Brown special, as Linus speaks those words of the angelic announcement, fear not, he lays down his security blanket. Now, there's, there's a continuity issue. Remember, this was produced in a period of only about six weeks. So, so when you go to the long shot, he's still holding it. But in all the close-ups, you'll notice the blanket is laying by his feet as he recites that passage of Scripture. 
And then when he finishes, he picks it back up and walks over to Charlie Brown. For those few moments, for those few moments, he can lay his security blanket down and fear not. Because when we are in the presence of God, we find our fears are met. That line from a little town of Bethlehem, our hopes and fears, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Uh, when we come into the presence of God, we find that those things that have held us captive are let go. All those things that we carry with us, uh, the hopes for what the future might look like and the fears that it won't look that way, uh, those sadnesses that we carry from the past, uh, the traditions in our families that maybe are no longer being done that we miss, uh, the people in our lives who used to celebrate with us who are no longer there. We have a hope that things will get better and we have a fear that they won't. We have a hope that we will be loved and not forgotten and we have a fear that we will be forgotten. And so in that moment, as Linus stands there uh, and, and recites those words, uh, don't fear, because I've come to bring you good news. For that moment, he can lay down his security blanket. And I don't know what security blanket you brought with you tonight, but perhaps for a few moments, you can lay it down in the presence of God and hear the word of God speaking to you. There's a, a, a hymn by Christina Rossetti uh, called In the Bleak Midwinter in which she talks about coming to encounter the Christ child. Uh, and, and she begins talking about this, uh, about coming in the bleak of midwinter, uh, coming from the north part of England. She describes winter as they knew it there. Uh, if you've been to Jerusalem, you know they don't very often have snow on snow in Jerusalem. Uh, but you do get a cold wind in the winter sometimes. Uh, but nonetheless, the, the point being that, that it, it, it's in the coldest and the darkest time of year that God chooses to come. But God doesn't choose to come to us when life is easy and life is good. But God chooses to show up with us when life is difficult and life is hard. That it's precisely in those moments when we're struggling, precisely in those moments when we feel alone, precisely in those moments when it seems darkest, that the light of God shines brightest for us. As she moves on into that hymn, she begins to talk in the second verse, uh, this kind of contrast about the God uh, uh, who is so mighty that heaven can't hold him and, and the earth cannot bear him up, can't sustain him, this mighty God who chooses to be born in a stable. The, the, the God of all creation, the God of all that is, that is greater beyond anything that is, would choose to come to us in a stable, not, not in a great palace, not in, a, in the, the, palace, the places of power and majesty, but would choose to be born into a stable and, and laid in a feed trough so that, that we, whoever we are, might know that God has come to be with us, that God has come to be with us. God doesn't wait for us to come to him. God doesn't wait for us to get our act together. God doesn't wait for us to achieve whatever we think we need to achieve. God doesn't wait for us to perfect ourselves. But God comes to us wherever we are in whatever condition we are in. My uh, Uncle Bobby died when he was 42. Um, and we were all shocked by that. Uh, 
Bobby was a rice farmer and a rancher, uh, and he was one of those kind of larger-than-life people that seemed so alive and robust, and uh, we all just couldn't believe it when his wife woke up one morning, my aunt, and found him dead. Uh, and as that kind of shockwave went through the family, we, we gathered in Alvin, Texas, uh, for his funeral. And those of you that have lived in small southern towns, you know, you know the night before you have the visitation, uh, where the body's laid out and everybody comes to visit and, and visit with the family. And, and so we went to the visitation, and his son, my cousin, who's a year younger than me, was sitting off to one side by himself. So as we came into the room and, and looked around, my mother kind of nudged me, and she says, go over there and talk to your cousin. I was about nine or ten years old at the point. And, uh, you know, I really had no idea what one would say in those kinds of, I didn't know what to do. And I turned and looked at her and I said, I don't, I don't know what to say to him. And she said, it doesn't matter. Just go sit with him. Because my mother, who had lost her father at the age of six, understood the importance of being with someone in that time. And over the years, I've learned since then just how true that is and how right she was. That in those moments when life is difficult and we're struggling, it really isn't so much what people say to us. It's whether they're willing to come and be with us that matters. And so Rossetti reminds us that God doesn't choose to remain aloof, but God chooses to come and to be with us even in the hard parts of life. And then in God's presence with us, truly our, our hopes and fears meet the presence of God. And somehow that's enough. Somehow that's enough. She goes on from there to talk about the heavenly beings, the angels and archangels and the cherubim and seraphim that are in the air and thronging the air around the site of the birth. And, and this tremendous uh, heavenly chorus that's praising the birth of Christ and yet what she points out is it, it's only his mother, Mary, uh, that chooses to worship him with a kiss. That God who the heavens praise comes into our midst and longs for us to worship him and longs for us to love him. I mean, God, God doesn't need us to give him our ideas. He doesn't need our advice. He doesn't need our plans. God doesn't need our wealth or our power or our prestige. But God desires our hearts and our love. And Mary is the first among us to offer her heart to the Christ child. As she moves into the fourth, fourth verse then, she begins to, uh, to question, you know, well, if, if I'm going to come before the manger, if I'm going to come to the crib, uh, I, I can't come like the wise men did with tremendous wealth. So what do I have that I can offer? I mean, I, I don't have anything of great value to bring. I don't have anything really to bring. The, the only thing I can offer is myself. And that really is what Christmas is all about. That God would love us enough to come be with us in the midst of the mess and the world that we live in and the things that we struggle and the fears that we carry and that his presence with us would be enough for us but also that we, in response, would bring the only gift to God 
that God desires, which is our hearts, our love. And so tonight we're going to sing through um, this hymn, and as we come to the last verse, uh, if that's a prayer that you can enter into tonight to uh, bring your heart and offer it to God, I'll invite you to join with us on the fourth verse uh, and sing that with us as we sing through this. Uh, And then as we take communion, to use that as an opportunity to present your heart to God. God, we come this night to celebrate the birth of your son. We come to celebrate that you choose to come and to be with us in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of our coldness, in the midst of our aloneness, in the midst of all we struggle with. You choose to come and to be with us. And we know that we are loved and cherished. 
And somehow that's enough. And so, Father, you have come and given your heart to us tonight. Hear us as we come and give our hearts to you. Amen.